morning and happy Easter. All hail the power of Jesus' name. You ransom from the fall. Hail him who saves you by his grace. Crown him Lord of all. The Lord is risen. Risen? Let's do it one more time. The Lord is risen. Amen. So good to see you all here this morning. My name is Pastor Mike Palumbo. I'm a pastor here at Lake Oconee Presbyterian Church, LOPC. I'll be serving today alongside Senior Pastor Jeff Birch and our choir here. Such a joy uh, to celebrate this morning. Uh, This is one of the most glorious mornings in the Christian calendar where we declare that Christ is risen. It's risen. Just making sure you maybe some of you came here this morning, you had the breakfast, you had the coffee, you had the meal. Uh, So we'll do that at least one more time. Well, it's such a joy to be here. I want to thank everyone, not only for coming to join us in worship, but also for coming and serving. We had a great weekend. Maybe some of you came to Family Movie Night this past Friday. We had a great show of folks in the community that came, and you all served so well. Uh, Thank you for that. Thank you all the deacons, deacon assistants, everyone that helped set up this morning for the uh, breakfast. What a joy uh, to feast together as we await the final feast, the new creation, when Jesus will make all things new. Uh, That's great. If you do uh, have some time after the service, if you're a member or one of the deacon assistants, we will be resetting things. So if you can help out with that, that would be great. Uh, You'll notice in your bulletin there's various announcements there. Uh, But we do want to encourage you to connect in with us over the summer. We're going to have various events. You'll see a number of events for our women's ministry. Uh, Coming up, there's going to be a home tour in Madison, and that will be a great chance to connect. If you are visiting with us, we are so glad you're here. Uh, We know many family and friends and those in the community will come into church on Easter. We love for you to come back. We love to welcome you again next week and the week after for you to incorporate into our community. There is a fellowship pad. If you are in the uh, beginning of the aisle here, you can grab a fellowship pad, fill it out, pass it down the road. This is a way for you to get to know your neighbors, a way for us to be able to connect with you and help you grow and go with us as we live on mission. You see, we as a church are a church rooted in the gospel, seeking the renewal of the world. We long to see this resurrection power transform all of this community and all of this world. And today we celebrate the resurrection. Now, for many of us, that means different things. Some of us come to this room and we come skeptical. Maybe like the apostles, you come to this room thinking, this is an idle tale. You are welcome today in your doubt. Uh, Some of you come like the people walking down Emmaus, disappointed, disillusioned, unsure about Jesus and whether or not he's bringing the kingdom. We welcome you today in your disappointment. Our desire is that you would marvel along with Peter at the wonder of the resurrection as we celebrate that this day. For this day, we declare that Jesus rose from the grave. We declare that Jesus had a triumph over all that has gone wrong and mad in this world. Jesus triumphed over Satan, love over hate, life over death, light over darkness, eternal joy over temporary sadness. And so I say it again, the Lord is risen, is risen. Well, praise the Lord. We're so glad you're here with us in worship. We're going to take a moment now to quiet our hearts, prepare our hearts to worship the risen King uh, with all hail the power of Jesus' name. So reflect on this glorious King during the prelude.
And we come to worship this morning as a family of God, united to Christ. And if you are here as a family and you have young ones, I want to remind you that we do have a nursery from infant to four-year-old down the hall there and uh, to the left. We also have a nursing mother's room. So uh, you can ask any of the ushers in the back and they'll guide you there. Well, as we do gather to worship, the Lord is the one who gathers us to worship him. The resurrected one on high calls us into worship, his glorious name. Our call to worship comes from 1 Peter 1, verse 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Let's pray to this God. Father, we do thank you for your grace, your power, your love. We thank you for this day when we come together as weak people needing the Savior of great power and love. We come to you in all of our weakness, in all of our shame, in all of our readiness to worship because you are the eternal God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We pray, O God, we invoke your name. We pray that you would fill up this place, fill up our hearts, stir us up with the wonder, the beauty, the marvel of the gospel that we may be transformed by your grace to serve on your mission for your glory. Through Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, let's stand joyfully, triumphantly as we sing, Christ the Lord is risen today.
do praise this resident king. And at the same time, as we sing out his praise, as we declare his glory, we remember that Christ rose again for sinners. That Christ rose from the grave to save us, to give us his righteous record, to renew us who struggle deeply throughout our days and our lives. We're reminded today that we need Jesus, not just to get into the kingdom, but as we continue in the week, as we continue in God's kingdom. And so we take this time to confess our sins, uh, to come before God in true humility, saying, Lord, we need you every hour, and especially this day as we celebrate the resurrection. So here our need of confession from Romans 8, verse 5 through 6. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. And so this text asks us to, to explore our hearts, to ask what is our mind set on? What controls your thoughts? What directs your actions? You see, this need of confession reminds us that we don't need better manners. We need a new mindset. We too often have our minds set on the flesh, on physical pleasures, our sinful temptations, worldly ways. And so we need a resetting of our mind. And that is what happens in confession. The Lord, by his spirit, resets our mind and focuses it on Christ, the Savior who's come to save us. And by his power to renew us. So in this time, we're going to confess our sins personally and privately. And then I'll lead us together in a corporate confession of sin. Let's confess our sins privately before the God of mercy who loves us. Lord, have mercy on us. Amen. Well, please now join me in this corporate confession of sin. Almighty God, in raising Jesus from the grave, you shatter the power of sin and death. We confess that we remain captive to doubt and fear, bound by the ways that lead to death. We overlook the poor and the hungry and pass by those who mourn. We are deaf to the cries of the oppressed and indifferent to the calls for peace. We despise the weak and abuse the earth you made. Forgive us, God of mercy. Help us to trust your power to change our lives and make us new, that we may know the joy of life abundant given in Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. Amen. Well, this is my favorite part of the service, to declare to you your forgiveness in Jesus. Romans 8, 9 through 11 says this, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also 
give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. You see, beloved, sin comes to us in deception and brings death. But Jesus comes to us in love and he brings life. He does not only bring us life, but he brings us to God. We belong now in the family of God. Our assurance affirms that all who belong to Christ will one day too rise with him. What a marvelous joy. What a worthy praise. Let's sing together, Is He Worthy? Let's stand and join our voices.
the risen Christ right now stands at the right hand of the Father. He is interceding on behalf of us. He is bringing our prayers before the Father of love, hearing us, helping us. And so in this time, we pray to our God. We'll first pray together using the Lord's Prayer, and then I'll lead us in a pastoral prayer. Let's join our voices together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we praise you. We worship you as the one true king, the one true God above all creation, the one who made it all, who redeemed it to your glory, who will finally resurrect and restore the world around us. We bless you, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. We pray that you, O God, would give us a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of you. We pray that as we see you in all of your splendor and all of your glory, that you would stir us up to praise you, not only with our lips, but also with our lives. We hallow you as the one glorious God. And we pray, O Lord, that you would enlighten our eyes, that we would know the hope to which you have called us. What are the riches of your glorious inheritance and that power that is at work within us? We bless you, O God, for that powerful inbreaking of your kingdom. We bless you and we pray that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done first in our lives and in our church and in our city and in our world. We long to see the glory of the Lord fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. And so, Lord, we pray that this powerful gospel, this inbreaking gospel, the good news of Christ's resurrection would transform us to the core and would send us out to live on mission to your glory, that we would be kingdom people bringing kingdom news to a people that are despairing, distraught, and enslaved to sin. O oh Lord, hear our cries for your mercy. We pray, O oh God, that your kingdom mission would go forward in power and might in Slovakia. We pray for Dan and Rebecca Gregor as they continue on mission there among the Roma people. Lord, we know that this is a nation divided between the haves and the have-nots. We know that there are people that are seen as superior and those that are seen as inferior. We pray, O oh God, that the gospel would be the leveling field of this nation. Lord, that all would see their complete glory in the image of God. And that all would see their total depravity as sinners needing his mercy alone. And that they would be lifted up by the wonder and beauty of Jesus living, dying, and rising for them. We pray that the gospel would break down all the dividing walls between these people groups, the Slovaks and the Roma. And that you would use this church as a means of reconciliation to bring the gospel which would break down the walls. First between God and man and then between man and man. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would use this church to be a healing presence in that community that they would be emboldened to share Christ, that there would be disciples built up and raised up, and that this young pastor who has recently taken over this church would have courage to preach your word with conviction and compassion. Oh Lord, we pray that for us as we live on mission in this city. We pray that you would embolden us with the love of Christ, that it would be a tangible love, a practical love, a transformative love, that as we live into this community, your aroma of grace would fill the streets of 
Eatonton and Greensboro and Buckhead and all throughout this area in Madison. And Lord, that there would be a little, little resemblance of your coming kingdom through this community. Oh Lord, there are many needs that we face in this time. And so we ask, oh Lord, give to us our daily bread, not demanding that you give to us something that we're entitled to. But we ask that you would have mercy upon us. Lord, you know the suffering among us. You know there are people that are not present in this room because they are suffering greatly at home or in facilities or at the hospital. We pray that your resurrection hope would restore their bodies, that you would bring them to healing and wholeness in Christ. You know others among us that have lost loved ones and they are perplexed by the death that should not be the case in this world that you created good. And yet we pray that you would grant them hope eternal, that they would be anchored in Christ who rose again, that this day would be a fresh reset and reminder for them that they have a hope that never fades, is undefiled, kept in heaven for them. Oh Lord, for those that are suffering aches and pains, Lord, stir us up for the day when you will take away all pain from this creation. Those that are weeping, Lord, wipe their tears and help them to know there will be a day soon where there will be no more tears, only everlasting joy. Oh, Lord, help us to look to Jesus in this time. And help us as we look ahead to the week. Lord, you know the temptations we'll face. You know the struggles will come. We pray, oh God, that you would deliver us from evil. Lord, that you would forgive us our debts, that you would lead us and guide us, and that you would give us a vision of your glory that would surpass the emptiness of sin. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Through Jesus, our Savior, amen. Well, in this time, we're going to hear Offertory will be giving our tithes and offerings for his glory. We do not have Children's Church now, uh, so do keep your children here with you. They'll hear the glory of the resurrection through the service. But let's give to the Lord his tithes and his offerings as a response to his grace.
I want to begin by just saying thank you to a few different folks. First of all, I want to thank all of you for joining us this morning in worship. Whether you are a regular part of LOPC, or maybe you're in visiting family, or you are a part of our community coming in to worship our risen and living and reigning Lord, we are grateful that you are here. We thank you for worshiping with us. And our hope and prayer is that this is a rich time, and it really a transformative time, where you are confronted with and maybe comforted by the fact that God is real. He's amongst us. He wants to dwell with us. He wants to have a relationship with us. And so I thank you. And then I'm not sure if you know how much hard work goes into a week like we've had. And so I want to say thank you to the many, many people, and I'm not going to list all the names and stuff, but for the staff and the leadership and the fellowship team and the choir and Amy Reber and the folks who made this a tremendous, tremendous Holy Week where we pray our Lord and Savior was exalted and glorified. Can I lead us in saying thank you? I think we are incredibly blessed around here. I am beyond encouraged and beyond excited by what I see the Lord doing in our midst, in our church's life, and in our community. And so I'm just excited about things that are going on. And you know what? I'm excited that you're here and not at the Masters. <laughs> I praise the Lord for your sanctification considering the fact that this was the one nice day out of four. <laughs> I'm sitting here as Mike's leading the liturgy, and I'm enjoying worship, and I'm participating with you all, and I'm looking out the window, and I'm going, wow, it really is glorious. The sun's coming in, I'm going, light has shone in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. If you have Bibles, I would invite you to turn to Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 12. Yes, you should come know I'm, the theme I'm going to preach on this morning. It is the resurrection. And so you have in the Bible four gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And each one of them give their own unique account, which gives their own unique perspective on the good news of Christ, the facts of the redemption story, and the facts of the resurrection. A little background on Luke, he was not one of the original 12. He was a companion, an associate of the Apostle Paul. He was by profession a physician. And so, kind of as a scientist, the beginning of his gospel, which means his, the good news about Jesus, he's writing to a man that we don't know a lot about. The man's name is Theophilus. And he's saying that there are a whole lot of people, Theophilus, who have been researching the accounts going on of the Lord Jesus, of his birth, his life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection. And so he says, it seemed good to me also to talk to many eyewitnesses, to do my own research, and to give you a true and faithful account. And so we can trust these words because not only is this God's word, Luke is telling us He's going, this is historically reliable, historically verifiable. 
I've spoken to a whole lot of people, and I'm giving you the fruits of my research. And so we're going to look at his particular account from his particular perspective. To me, one of the fascinating things about the Word of God, one of the things I love about the Word of God is not only is it God's Word, but God speaking through human beings. And so he's using their unique personalities and their backgrounds. They're bringing to the table who they are. You know, it's probably a very good thing. I wasn't one of the chosen ones to reveal that. You'd get a bunch of New York Yankees stuff in there. That would not be good. But see, here you've got God. So God uses the human writers. So here's Luke's account. I'm going to read for us chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. And I invite you to hear and have our hearts attentive to the very word of God. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Friend, this is the word of the Lord given by the triune God of love because he loves you. Let us pray. Father, I don't know how every person in this room comes into this room this morning. We may come having been a believer in Jesus for 40, 50, 60 years. And I pray that this would not be just routine or old hat to us, but we would leave marveling at the wonder of the resurrection. And maybe we come here and this is fairly new to us. And we have doubts. And we're skeptical. And that's okay. And I pray that we would be maybe like Peter. And we would rise and check things out. And we'd be inquisitive and curious. I pray that you would give us inquisitive hearts. To stoop and look in. To explore. And that, Father, we ask that you might open our hearts to go home marveling at the risen Jesus. So wherever we come, you know each one of us. Our hearts are laid bare before you, and we pray that you will be at work amongst us. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a theologian who writes, Christianity stands or falls with the reality of the raising of Jesus from the dead by God. The Christian hope for the future comes of observing a specific, unique, historical event that of the resurrection and appearing of Jesus Christ. This future of the end of history 
brought into the middle of history gives us incredible hope. Because of the resurrection, we need not despair, though we suffer. Though we have our crosses to bear, though the realities of this present age have not been completely vanquished, they are ultimately defeated. Though we may still live in a Good Friday world, we who are believers in Jesus Christ are triumphantly Easter people. Now, I know we would love to live in a perpetual Christmas world. We want to be a Christmas people. We love the sweetness and the tenderness of the baby Jesus. I almost can't say that without cooing, right? Because the baby Jesus, he's sweet and he's tender. But that does not do justice to the world we live in. It doesn't do justice to the comprehensive scope and power of the good news that Jesus Christ is the world's true Lord, and he is the King of Kings. That no government, no power, no people, no program is the hope of the world. Jesus Christ and Christ alone is the hope of the world. And in order to understand and embrace this fact, we need to see something. Not just the facts of the resurrection, but the meaning and the significance of the resurrection. So I want to challenge us with something this morning. And that is that the resurrection changes everything. It changes everything. And this morning, through Luke's account of the resurrection, his narrative of the history of this history-changing event, we want to ask of the text, how does the resurrection change everything? And see that the text gives us two answers. The resurrection changes everything through the power of the word, and the resurrection changes everything through giving us the purpose of life. The power of the word for the purpose of life. I just want you to scan with me if you have Bibles, if you're looking on your device or whatever, just kind of pay attention at all of these emphases, how Luke emphasizes here in this narrative of the empty tomb and the resurrection. I'll just be real quick here. Verse 5, it says, the angels said to the women. So in other words, he announced through the word. Verse 6, he says, remember how Jesus told you. Verse 8. They remembered his words. Verse 9, they told all these things. Verse 10, they told these things to the apostles. And finally, verse 11, these words seemed to them an idle tale. Let me ask you, is, is Luke just a bad writer? I was taught in writing, and not that I'm a good writer or anything, you're not supposed to repeat yourself. I'm counting seven different, six different times that he repeats this. Is Luke just a bad writer? Absolutely not. He is doing something purposefully and intentionally. What is he trying to tell us here? He is saying that it is through the power of the word. This is not just bare information. This is not just information or facts or knowledge. There is something supernatural going on right now. There is something supernatural going on right here. If you're sitting here in this room, we are all being exposed to something supernatural right this minute. That is the power of a very living and active word of God. It is through the power of the word of God that we're given the account of the resurrection. And this is not incidental. Realize that the word, it is by God's word that he created the world. He spoke and said, let there be light. 
He spoke the universe into being. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. Words create life. They are life-giving. The book of Hebrews tells us that the word of God is living and active. So as we look at this text, and Luke tells us that it is the first day of the week, a new creation, that new creation, a new world is being born by the power of God's word. New life occurs by hearing the word. That's why Paul writes, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. The word is not an abstract thing, not an abstract thing to simply know the facts. It is living and active. It creates life. And we need to recognize something, if I can be practical for a second. Our words, kind of derivative of that, reflective of, of that, you realize when we relate to other people through our words and we speak to other people, our words can either be life-giving or life-detracting. There is a power in words. Look what else. Notice that Luke's narrative is structured. This is interesting. It's not only the power of the word, but it's the power of word about something very specific. And that something specific is grace. Notice that the announcement here is given to women. Remember here, it's absolutely remarkable, the fact that Luke records that women are central in the narrative. Christian is absolutely, unequivocally, positively pro-woman. Now that, not, that may not sound all that remarkable to us sitting here in 2023. We're in the 21st century and you might be sitting there and going, Jeff, uh, why are you telling us this? Is this just, are you killing time before we get to lunch and watch the rest of the Masters? Absolutely not. This is incredible because I want you to recognize something. This was absolutely earth-shattering and counterintuitive and countercultural in the first century. Because in that particular society, women had absolutely no rights. They were at best marginalized citizens. And so who is this that Jesus inspires to bring news of the resurrection to? Women. He even names them. You've got Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James. And then he says, and the other woman, women, apparently a group came with them. Jesus begins, and think about what's going on here. A new world, a new cosmos is being born. A new humanity is being developed through the power of the word. And look at how Jesus is creating a new world. He's doing it through women and with women. They're the first ones that believe in the resurrection. They're the ones, but look here. They get here, and what do they do, and what do they discover? So the body of Jesus is gone. They find the stone rolled away, and verse 4 tells us they're perplexed. Now, I'm reading this, and when I prepare a sermon, I, I must read, I don't know how many times I read through the text, and I'm looking at that. And every time I go, when it tells us they're perplexed, I'm kind of going, you think? No kidding, they're perplexed. Of course they're perplexed. What do these facts need? And what is the significance of these facts? And so lo and behold, here come the angels, two men standing by them in dazzling apparel. And what is their job? 
to give them revelation, to give them illumination, to explain the truth to them so they can move from kind of a state of perplexion, state of confusion, to a state of faith and life. The Word of God is meant to change us, but you need this revelation and explanation and illumination to do that. See, we can't understand without revelation. And along with revelation, we need illumination if we are to understand. It's kind of like, if I can illustrate it this way, back when I was in high school, I took a class in physics. Trust me, it was not an elective. I never would have chosen that. I knew immediately I wasn't about to have a career in physics. I remember the teacher saying stuff. And I word it this way in the illustrate because I'm going, I had no idea what it was. It was just stuff. I had no, I clue, no clue what he was talking about. I was completely lost, and my grades reflected my listening and being perplexed, to say the least. So what did my dad do? Being a good dad, he got me a tutor to try and explain the significance of the physics fast facts that I was supposed to learn. I will not reveal the name and the identity and how successful the tutor was. Let's just say I ended up being a minister and not a physicist. And I'll let you all judge whether that was even a right career choice or not. But the point is, the women needed the significance of the facts explained to them. And so in verse, verses 5 to 7, you've got this moment of revelation. The women are transformed through the power of the word, new life through the life-giving, living, and active word. And the angels speaking to the women who with their faces bowed to the ground are frightened and still in a state of fear, ask them a question. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. In other words, he is the living one. He is the source of life. And why are you looking for life where there is no life? Why are you looking for life among death? You know, there's a very important and very powerful lesson here for us as well. You won't find life among death. You won't find what your heart seeks and what your heart needs and when what your heart is built for and what you long for. Meaning and love and communion and union and intimacy and importance and success. You won't find those things among sources of death. How do you spend your time? What do you look for for life? And then he gives them, verse 6, the heart of the answer. He says, and again, through the power of the word, he says, remember how he told you. You are listening to a word. The question is, which word are you listening to? Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, on, and then on the third day, rise. You hear that? The Son of Man must be. It's of necessity. Say what you want about our sin. We can gloss over it. We can gloss over our need, but we do so to our detriment. Somehow our depravity is such our kind of proclivity and tendency that we have to turn away from the Lord, to live independently of Him, to be autonomous, to take control of our own life, is so great that nothing could restore us, nothing could reconcile us, nothing can 
rescue us. Nothing can deliver us except the death of Jesus Christ. Our taking control and our living independently of God necessitated that Jesus be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. My friend David Cassidy says, the glory of the cross is ours because the horror of the cross was his. He had to be delivered into the hands of sinful men and crucified, and he was for us. And then verse 8 says, they remembered his words. My prayer for you is that you will remember his words, that Jesus was delivered into the hands of sinful men for you because he loved you, because he would rather lose himself than lose you. Do you realize and recognize how important you are to the living almighty God? The women now recall the words and they respond. Transformation, gospel transformation occurs through the power of the word. A living and active word produces a living and active faith. And why? For the purpose of life. The resurrection changes everything through the power of the word for the purpose of life. Look at this. They remember Jesus' words, and what do they do? They go and tell the apostles. Isn't it amazing that the first witnesses to the resurrection, this group of women, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, Joanna, and all the rest, the first witnesses to the resurrection become the first evangelists. Gospel transformation always leads to gospel propulsion. The gospel will always propel us outwards in love. And see, and what are all these things that they reported to the apostles? The truth of Jesus' death and resurrection. What they received through the power of the word, they now pass on for the purpose of life. And of course, not that this life is automatically received. I mean, it, look at this. This, in this. this is why this can't be made up. The apostles think that what the women are telling them is nonsense. They come excited, propelled outwards. They're telling them the things, that the stones rolled away, all of the events. And look at what happens. They think it's an idle tale. They're not immediately believing. Only... Peter, not yet believing, but curious, inquisitive, seeking, runs to the tomb to check out the story and returns marveling at what happened. Look at the transformation, how the resurrection changes everything. Let me ask you a question. What are you personally going to do with all of this? It's not enough for you to come here this morning, have a wonderful brunch, see people, smiling faces, enjoy unbelievable, phenomenal music. Hear a, uh uh, okay sermon. Be moved or whatever. And if you stay neutral and stay on the fence, let me tell you something you're saying no to Jesus. Neutrality is not an option. There's yes and there's no. And if you go and it's just life is the same, 
You go back to your normal Monday through Saturday life, and it hasn't changed you. There's not a desire to worship. There's not a desire to be transformed. You're neutral. You're going, this is okay. Friends, what are you going to do with all this? Recognize the resurrection changes everything. Recognize what has happened. The end of history. In the Jewish culture, you do recognize they did believe in the fact of the resurrection. You want to know what blew them away? The fact that it happened now. They believed that a resurrection was coming. They had no idea it was going to happen when it did. Because for them, the resurrection meant the end of history. And what Jesus is doing is bringing the end of history into the middle of history. Which means the eighth day is the beginning of the new creation. And the new creation has been inaugurated. And if you're neutral or don't believe this, let me ask you a question. Where are you going to find hope? Are you seeking the living among the dead? Death is still with us, the last enemy. Life is beyond difficult. Suffering is real. Tragedies still occur. But as one pastor put it, because of the resurrection, hope is hearing the music of the future. And faith is dancing to it. Why don't we be a dancing people? These women now hear and dance to the music of the future. And how does this change us? See, what difference does this make in our lives? Let me tell you the practical difference it makes. It propels us out in love. We truly become a loving people. There's a theologian who said, we are supposed to be the living truth of the living God. No one can see God, but people can see us. And when we love one another, it is the love of God they see. I have a PCA pastor friend who mentions that before uh, she kn he knew somebody who before she became a Christian, she worked at a bar. And she said she would be there, and at night there was always a group of Christian women at the bar together, and she knew they were Christians because she'd become friends with some of them, and they learned that they all knew each other. They went to church together, and then one woman walked in one night, and she was devastated. She was crying. And her friend leaned over the bar to one of the women and asked, what happened? And she says, well, she just had a miscarriage. And the way she tells the story, she watched these women start caring and loving the suffering one. And she told me, my PCA pastor friend, she said it was like what happens with wild horses. When a wild horse gets injured, the other horses circle around it with the back legs facing out to protect the wounded horse from wolves, other predators, and they stay there for as long as it takes until the injured horse heals or dies. But they refuse to let anything else hurt them. And this woman says, this is what I saw. This is what I experienced. This is what I witnessed. And I asked the other women, can I come to your church? This is how the resurrection changes everything. It doesn't have to make us extraordinary. 
but we ordinarily are propelled out to not live for ourselves, but to live for loving God and loving others because our hope, our future, is completely secure. See, if you're in Christ, he's got you. Whoever comes to him, he will in no wise cast out. You are more secure than anyone else in the world. What are we going to do with that security? We can't go on just living for ourselves. Let's be a community filled with faith, filled with hope, and filled with love. Father, I pray that the resurrection would change us. I pray, Father, that we wouldn't just go through the motions, that your spirit would transform us. We wouldn't worry about blowing it. We wouldn't worry about messing up. We wouldn't worry so much about how we look. Instead, we would be secure people, not living to prove ourselves, not living to vindicate ourselves, not living to justify ourselves, but because we are free, we can enter into the lives of others and love them. Help us to love. Help us to be a people who hear the music of the future and dance with the eyes of faith. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand for our closing hymn, Up from the Grave He Arose, and then the choir is going to lead us in a choral benediction, and then I'll give the, re the final benediction. And the choral benediction will be the Hallelujah Chorus. We'll remain standing for that, but I want to give this invitation. If you have ever participated in the Hallelujah Chorus, the choir wants, you to, invite, wants to invite you to join them. They will be happy to share their music with you. We would love if you've ever participated in the Hallelujah Chorus during this last hymn, come forward and join the choir in singing this. Let's stand together.
as we have been blessed by God, the Lord Almighty, the world's true King and Lord. Let us, as we still live in a Good Friday world, live as Easter people, blessing our community around us. Friends, go with the blessing of God and hear the Lord's benediction. May the love of God the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now, this week, and forevermore. Amen.